technology advances continue for restaurants as they uh, are trying many different approaches to address labor shortages as well as create better customer experiences. But are some of these innovations leaving a bad taste for some customers? We'll dive into that topic next on Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. I'm Keith Shaw. Welcome to Today in Tech. My guest today is Michael Atkinson. He is the founding CEO of Bailiwick Ventures, a restaurant technology startup studio that invests, creates, builds, and supports a growing portfolio of restaurant technology startups. As a former restaurant owner, operator, and advocate for transformative food and restaurant technologies, Michael advises restaurant brands, private equity funds, and technology companies on several technology strategies. And last year, Michael was named one of the restaurant industry's most influential restaurant technology experts by the nation's restaurant news welcome michael great thanks keith good to be here i mean i'm i'm amongst uh restaurant royalty <laughs> so, yes <laughs> so let's just kind of jump in are, are, are more restaurants these days investing in technology than maybe they have in previous years or decades you know is is this more of an evolution or is it sort of just the you know or or are they reacting to certain conditions like like i mentioned in my intro you know with labor shortages and maybe post-pandemic kind of reactions why, why are we seeing this yeah. this jump in in innovation and, and technology well you know it's a, it's a great question because it's it's like and a deferred maintenance. I mean, they uh, the restaurant operators have always been slow to adopt technology, uh, no different than many other industries, but restaurant historically have been slow to adopt and slow to adapt. And part of that is just the, you know, the, the margins that the restaurants usually have. Historically, they've invested less than 1% of sales in restaurant technology. Then pandemic scared the hell out of everybody. And yeah. there was a lot of catch up. So in 2020 and 2021, that nearly doubled um, where it should be from my perspective. And now I may be biased because you know, I'm an investor in restaurant technology companies. It should be between two and a half and 3%. It's really necessary. And to be relevant and competitive today, you absolutely have to invest in technology and embrace it. Right now, Obviously, you, you know, you, I don't know if you did the unintentional pun in terms of restaurants have to catch up, but, or, or, um, sorry about that. So, uh, the, so they were, they were, they were rushing towards innovation sort of as a survival instinct, right? Because of the pandemic, they couldn't have people in restaurants. So that's when you started seeing things like curbside delivery and, and a lot more takeout and pickup and things like that. Um, is that where you saw it or, or, you know, as we're now leaving, you know, the people coming back into restaurants, is it, is it that they they recognize we have to keep up with this technology in order to make the customer experience better, or in some cases, you know, labor shortages because you, you can't find restaurant yeah, workers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what they've what they've done as a as a as a benefit of, of investing in technology has become smarter. You know, years past, it's been somebody else's problem. Let's send it to the IT department. Let's get some young, smart uh, college grad who knows something about this stuff and put it on their desk. It's forced operators to really become more acquainted with technologies, both front of the house technologies that service the guest as well as management productivity software, back of house software. So because they, they're smarter about it, they're more receptive to, you know, leaning into, you know, new technologies that solve and address automation problems. I mean, you, you spoke before, it's labor is a big issue. But I'll tell you, a lot of things haven't changed, Keith. Labor has been an issue since I was an operator. Okay. I opened my first restaurant when I was 25. Labor was a hassle then. Um, 
Yes, satisfaction was a hassle then. So what we're trying to do is, is build technologies in place that help automate and strengthen the relationship with guests. And operators have finally figured out that that it's necessary. It's just as necessary as as a POS system, uh-huh. a data management system, a reservation system. But shocking to me still in 2020, um, how many restaurant operators uh, had to catch up <laughs> with others and uh, install online ordering solutions to generate business online. It, it's, it's startling to me that that wasn't something that was table sticks in every restaurant. Yeah, I think the like the the local pizza place that that we order from uh, pr- pretty much every week. Uh, you know, I think after the pandemic hit, went right to that online ordering system, and now everybody's got it. So, um, I, I think that was at least one of the innovations that happened. Does this happen more in uh, a lot of the innovations that you're seeing? Does it happen more with the quick service restaurant? You know, which you know we call fast food sometimes or is it more of the sit down in dining room uh restaurants and then is it more uh large chains versus small mom and pop type operations where do you see most of the the at least the new stuff that that is being tried out yeah you know it's really not segmented um you know whether you're fine dining or 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 quick casual yeah like a chipotle or or fast food which is you know a quick serve like a a taco bell or, or a mcdonald's you know, they the larger chains, those QSR companies are the larger brands. So they've embraced technology more readily and have more capital to invest in it. So it's really the small independents that have benefited from these technologies that have been built for the enterprise that now are available to independents. So they're able to, you know, technology is in many ways democratizes everything. So it enables small independent operators to have the same tools that a large, you know, chain would have. Mm-hmm. When a large chain could be casual, it could be could be Denny's, it could be Red Robin. Uh, but the amount of of capital that is required to 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 engage in technology um, is 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 more than a lot of independent operators want to spend. So if you look at the industry as a whole, it's a you know it's an eight hundred billion dollar a year industry yeah. just in the U.S. And there's a million restaurants if you include you know cafeterias and both uh you know uh, catering companies and whatnot but 70 percent of those operators 70 percent of those million restaurants are independent operators 30 percent are enterprise or chains that drive most of the sales but but the, the mass is all independence so they've had to really come to the table and realize that for them to be competitive, they have to invest in technology and be smarter about it. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about some of the technologies that we've sort of seen in the space. This this sort of entered our radar screen because of some of the the news that, that happened recently with uh, voice uh, artificial intelligence types of of applications that were re- te- that were being tested at drive throughs, and uh, there were some several tech TikTok videos that went viral that showed just how amazingly awful some of these things were, um, and that always kind of gets my radar up whenever. Whenever I see something that was just so horrendously bad, the first thing I thought is like, why did they ever try this? Like, you know, so in terms of voice AI, uh, why would, you know, and again, this was one of them was McDonald's, a uh, pretty high profile uh, restaurant company. Uh, why would they try this? Is, you know, what's the reasoning behind a restaurant going with a voice AI system at a drive through, which has typically has bad audio to begin with? So, you know. Can you explain sort of that experiment or other restaurants that you've seen that, that have tried this this sort of like AI customer order thing? 
Yeah, <clears throat> this AI customer order thing is, yeah. <laughs> is, is, is a good way to describe it. You know, it's 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 um, voice is hard. Voice is very very tricky. Yeah, and the use case that restaurant operators have embraced are primarily two. One is for drive-through, and you know, the other, other one is for call center AI or conversational AI to enable you to reduce the number or eliminate completely human operators who can actually take you know the order. Um, drive-through is very tricky. And I'm an investor in two different uh, voice technology companies, and there's not enough PhDs that I can hire to make it easy to execute on the drive through It's very, very hard. There's a lot of training. But if it's one-on-one, Keith, if you if you drive through if you drive through a a uh, a fast food restaurant, a lot of times you order a number one, yep. right? Or a number two. Yep. Those are pretty benign situations. Or if you don't order it by number, you may order kind of the same thing. Burger, fries, chocolate shake. I mean that's pretty, pretty straightforward for a bot to understand. But that's a one-to-one relationship. Where it gets tricky is when there's a car full of people. Yeah. And there's kids in the back and the dog's barking. Yeah. And, yep. and and Junior is ordering onion rings and changes his mind and he wants fries and he wants a chocolate shake, but now he wants a vanilla shake. There's chaos in the car. It's like you're Bots describing just, it's like you're describing my out. kids, Michael. Michael, this is this is exactly what happens every time when I go to the drive-thru. Like by the time we get up to the drive-thru, they still don't know what they want. And then I have to, you know, and I, I put my order in. I've got three picky eaters who don't like onions and, and pickles on the car, and then I gotta do a plain burger, and then someone wants, you know, something that's off of the uh, it's just it's just a nightmare. Um, I can only imagine how how an AI would respond to that. It, you know, it's hard. It takes training. AI is not a plug and play situation. Like if you order, if, if you install a reservation system, for example, that's pretty, that's pretty mature. It's pretty plug and play, but voice requires training. The AI needs to be trained. The, the engineers that build the AI and, and write the code need to understand the ordering sequence and the order flow. It's, it's just a lot of time and it, it'll happen. I, I'm, I'm confident voice for ordering through a drive-through will will happen and work but it, it's a few years away. I are, mean McDonald's tried it. McDonald's is impatient. Yeah. Are, are they are they also sort of like the decision tree sort of uh AI response and like would they benefit from some of the new generative AI uh technologies that we're seeing like ChatGPT and things like that or is it more about just getting the system to understand what people are saying? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, Chat GPT is everybody's new, 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 new shiny toy. penny. And yeah, it's a new toy. And it's it's a little scary, but it's also pretty pretty incredible what it can do. It'll make it easier for the for the for the for the ASR, the automated speech recognition to to understand and the response back and forth. But there's a big line between IVR, which is, you know, interactive voice response. That's old technology where it's it's you speak and it responds to that, where it trains your voice. Yeah. That's really old school technology. ChatGPT, any generative, you know, AI is going to help the process, but it's still conditional upon the bot listening to you. So it has to interpret your speech and know what it means. And that's difficult to do. There's only a few companies out there that have had mediocre success, and it'll be it'll be quite some time. McDonald's, like I said, is impatient. They 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 spent a lot of money buying a couple of Silicon Valley companies. Yep. They end up selling them to Watson and IBM because they just got tired of dealing with it and said, "Let's just outsource it." 
But there's a few out there that are startups that may run out of capital before they get it right, unless the restaurant operators, you know, invest in those technologies and and are patient. But it'll happen. Are the incentives so big that that's why they're pushing for it? Like, does the benefit eventually outweigh sort of the, the costs from doing it in a different way? Now, that's a great question. On both sides, it has to be economically viable for the for the for the operator to invest the time and the money and have patience. But it also has to be, you know, economically viable for the for the restaurant, you know, technology company as well. Um, but yes, and labor it gets back to labor. Labor not only you know is an issue, but but finding people. Yeah. I mean, there's there you can go to any restaurant uh, in any street. I don't know about worldwide, but probably. In the United States, and you can knock on the door and say, are you hiring? The answer is going to be affirmative. So there's always a need for people and then training people. And then there's the old, you know, school thought of, and which is true, you know, robots don't take breaks. You know, they don't need vacation. You can train them to be exact, you know, in a word flow. So there's there's a little bit of consumers have to say, okay, I'll let me help. I'll buy into this. Mm-hmm. It's not static. It can't be just the operators throwing a bot in your face and you expect it to be just like a human. There's got to be a little forgiving here. And that's why, you know, it's, it's funny to watch on TikTok. I've laughed as well. And there's some really funny uh, Scottish elevator jokes out there <laughs> <laughs> um, that that are very amusing. Yeah. But I, I think I think over time, consumers are going to learn how to how to you know deal with it, and the operators are going to get better at it, and the technology is going to learn. So it's not tomorrow. My crystal ball, at least five years before it's going to be something that you see more and more uh, in drive-throughs. All right, so let, let's um, let's jump into some other technologies that 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 uh, restaurants are are using and innovating in, and just give me sort of your your thoughts on on whether this is uh, sort of just an experimental phase, or is this something that that will kind of innovate and expand and evolve down the road, and and, and this will be life in in ten years. We'll we'll have these things. So let's jump into uh, drone technology for uh, deliveries. There was a company uh, called Zipline that that made a big splash with a new drone that can uh, quickly deliver food. Um, you know, via drones. We've seen a couple of other local projects, like I think Taco Bell out in California was trying this for for a couple of different things. Is this something that's going to be viable, and we're all going to get our our foods delivered by? Uh, or our pizza, for example, delivered by drone as as opposed to a, a teenager with a fast car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, this is the Jetsons, man. I mean, I, I saw the same video you did probably with with uh, with Zipline. It's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, it drops this cable and it puts it exactly on your on your doorstep. You know, um that will happen. It's happening now. It's 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 proven itself to be somewhat reliable. But you know, it's it's a train wreck waiting to happen. This too, but it's going to get better. I, it, it it will happen. It just it just makes sense. Uh, you know, self driving cars. Uber Uber has had a plan for ten years to get rid of the drivers and just have cars. Yeah, I mean, everybody has these plans, and I, I think it'll happen. But it takes really good innovation and a lot of patience and a lot of trial. But these are it's hard enough to get consumers to to embrace technology that is basic like qr codes have been around since world war ii but it took a pandemic to get them to force to use it now they kind of like it it's pretty handy every time you look at a tv or there's a commercial an article in a magazine there's a qr code it's just it's a brilliant piece of technology that drives you right to where you want to you want the customer to go right all these will happen 
but but it, it's it's going to take some time. My guess, again, and you know, five to ten years before it's something that you see on a regular basis. I think I saw a QR code for the first time that gave me their updated menu. Is that is that where you're seeing them in restaurants? Well, yeah. restaurants. You know, it's really interesting about restaurants. They they. <laughs> They're sold technology by salespeople, not necessarily sold technology by restaurant operators that became salespeople. And my big, my big question is like kiosks. Everybody raced towards kiosks yeah. that you can sell. Order. You're walking to a restaurant and you order. And those things are filthy, number one. <laughs> and people have, to, people have to figure out how to use them. But they solve a problem. They, they, they reduce the number of counter people you have. So it addresses a labor issue and it makes it easier for consumers who want that type of technology just to bypass talking to anybody. I mean, who picks up their phone anymore? I don't. I prefer text messaging and email. Right. I don't want to talk to people. So it's the same thing. They have to embrace it. But if you think about QR codes, all the kiosk does is take you to their menu, an interactive menu. If you take your cell phone, and click on a QR code and it takes you to a dynamic menu, like an online ordering menu. Yeah. It does the same thing as the kiosk. So theoretically, all a restaurant has to do is have QR codes on the walls and re re eliminate the kiosks and they save themselves hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in investment and in, in, in capital expense. Yeah. And you, ha you have the same thing. So the QR this code. Is, this is. Yeah. The QR code that I saw was actually at a sit-down restaurant. It was a PF Chang's, and yeah. so you know, we were sitting it was down at the table. Yeah, and so we were yeah. sitting down. I'm expecting you to get you know a big menu, you know, with all the. And again, I, I know what I was going to order anyway. I don't necessarily need menus anymore, unless it's a brand new restaurant I've ever been at. But they're like she, you know, the sure. the, the the server handed me a piece of paper with a QR code. Now, now that now I have to do work. Now I have to be instead of just opening a menu and looking at it. Now I I get on my phone. I take a picture of it. This thing pops up and. I, I, you know, and then to you know to your next point, where the the mobile phone is going to become sort of the the point of sale device, um, is a lot. And maybe this is just because I'm, I'm an older guy and I'm set in my ways. But like the phone and the apps, most of these apps stink. <laughs> like they haven't. They're just you know it's forgotten my login, and then I have to remember a password or thumbprint or face ID or whatever to try to get into it. And at that point, I'm just like, I just want to go up and order with a with a human. At that point, is that is that just me being yeah. cranky old guy, or is, is is that a bigger problem? Yeah, I think you're a cranky old guy. So, but, but there's, <laughs> nice. But there's, there's there's a lot of cranky old guys out there and old women. So so. So, you know, it's, it's learned behavior, but but you also are in, in control of your ordering experience, right? So if you can order from a phone and not just look at it like a, like, a, like a PDF, if you can actually order from a phone, you can also pay from that phone. Yeah. So you're in control of that check. I, I love it at airports because I, I, don't, I, I ask for a, a check as soon as I order at an airport because I don't want to wait. I want to be able to pay for it and run. So if you think about it as you're in control of your dining experience... Now, it doesn't work in all restaurants. At a fine dining restaurants, I don't want to see a QR code anywhere. I want service. I want a menu. I want to interact and engage with the server. But if I'm at a fast casual or or casual dining restaurant or even a fast food restaurant, yeah. you know, a quick service, if I can control my dining experience, I can order on my own terms, pay on my own terms, get it and go, uh, I don't need to talk to people. I, in fact, I don't want to. I just want to order, pay, and go. That's I That's where it's... 
that's where it's a good idea. I think I am leaning more towards that, that it, it's probably just me being cranky because uh, my wife is, is just loves the app with the kids now too because they can um, she can order ahead and then just pick it up sort of at the restaurant instead of waiting in a long drive through line and things like that. Like that also, there was another interesting part that I, that I saw that um, I think McDonald's was doing this and they, they're using geofencing technology because again, my concern about ordering via the app is that when, like if I place the order, I don't know exactly when um, they're going to make that food. And so you see, if you go into a restaurant, you see a lot of bags that are up on the, the shelves for people to pick up. And usually sometimes it's for the Uber drivers. Sometimes it's, it's actual for customers that want to pick it up. And I just don't know how long that food has been sitting there. So that's why I'm a little hesitant. But now they're saying that geofencing with the phone, it can detect if you're within three miles of the, of the restaurant or three minutes. I think they, they use sort of GPS technology to figure out how long it's going to take you to get there. And that's when they'll start making it. Is that is is that now gonna is that happening in all the apps now, or is it just you know specific to you know a certain restaurant? No, it's, it's geofencing has been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's only part of certain apps. If if, if you want to add geofencing to 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 improve the guest experience, and that's the only reason you'd want to, also manage your order flow. Uh, a lot of restaurants, but what's what's not known is a lot of restaurants throttle their orders on an online order. They have 50 seats in the restaurant. All of a sudden, they have 200 orders coming online. Yeah, that's like having an extra, you know, 25 seats. So a lot of restaurants turn off or or pause their online ordering so they can catch up. Um, so it's the same thing with 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 geofencing. You you can plan a little bit better on on it's three minutes away or five minutes away, and so you're able to plan a little bit better in your order sequence. And take care of some people that are in the restaurant, and you know you have three to five minutes before they get here. Right. So you can you can move your tickets around if you will. It's it's about it, there's there's two, two things that that technology does. It it's supposed to improve the guest experience and engage with the customer in, in meaningful ways, whether it's loyalty or or notifications or or rewards. Uh, and the other thing it does is improve productivity. Uh, productivity is is huge, and that includes shortage of labor, but also includes the margins are so slim in restaurants these days that that um, even with the hike in prices because of inflation, they need uh, you know they need every penny. Yeah. Yeah. And if they can improve processes and improve the flow, be or- better organized in the back of the house, that just that just earns them money. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's one other thing you want to talk about too. It's um, data management and turn. And you 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 mentioned that uh, your shift you're seeing a shift of control from the point of sale to centralized data management systems. Can you explain sort of what that means in in a restaurant scenario? Yeah. Well, it's it, it's kind of a dream, you know, because the POS the, the the way the industry works, and it's just not just restaurants. It's retail. It's it's everything. Okay. The vendors have have, have become very controlling. And it's really divided between either the point of sale terminal is the center of the universe. I look at a tech stack like a like a solar system. So so the POS is like the sun. And they're saying, okay, this is this helps you manage transactions. Um, but then they said, let's 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 increase the uh, the amount that we can we can generate per location in annual revenue. So they started adding modules like reservation systems, online ordering solutions, loyalty rewards. Yep. You know, makes good business sense, but they're in control of your tech stack. The other side is the accounting systems are at the center. They're the sun. So in either way, you've given up control of your of your technology stack, basically your business, to 
one or or primarily one vendor. What's new and novel, and if you ask anybody who's an operator this question, it's almost rhetorical, <clears throat> are you in control of your tech stack? And most of, most of them think they are until we have a few words and then they realize that they're not in control of their tech stack, their POS vendor is or their accounting system of record is. Yep. So what, what's changing is open architectures in all these different systems allow you to integrate. Everybody wants to have all their systems integrated centrally, which makes perfect sense. You want to aggregate all the data centrally. But if you're not aggregating all of your data, then it doesn't matter. And if you're a POS, all you're aggregating is transaction data, not marketing data, not guest data, um, not employee data. So what if there is a way you can benefit from all the integrations centralized instead of that sun being a POS or an accounting system? That sun is now a data management system or mm -hmm. data lake. Mm -hmm. And around that lake is a data visualization system. So all you're doing is pulling in marketing data, customer data, employee data, social yeah. media data, transaction data, credit card data into a central database and then asking questions of those data. And that's where chat GPT is going to be really exciting because you can ask, how do I get you can you can use voice or right. you can use, or you can type. How do I get a five percent uplift in my sales on a Tuesday lunch? And with all those data, it might say, um, make sure Keith is not on section one. <laughs> um, open your doors yeah, a half an that hour. That Keith early is a horrible way to take hamburgers off the menu, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so, so without centralizing data, then you can't benefit from all these actionable insights that restaurant operators absolutely need. And, you and, do and not that, want to cede control to a vendor. Yeah, period. that that seems like a lot of that seems like that's a big kind of restaurant chain enterprise level sort of retail chain innovation like that doesn't seem like that's going to get down to my local pizza shop right yeah it can it, it can but, but but it can it can absolutely it can this is this these systems are, are enterprise grade but like i said before you don't design systems just for the enterprise yeah. you make sure they work at the enterprise but if there's a way to democratize it and bring it down to the out of, out of those 700,000 restaurants that i mentioned before yeah that's where your money is so you think that, so it, that we'll see that trickle down test. that will it trickle down or is it just going to be a small innovative company that that knows how to handle these these small little local pizza places or other restaurants well what i just <laughs> described is fairly complex yeah but yeah <laughs> the the, ar the architecture is there to do this um so i i would suspect with within three to four years at the latest this will be available not only enterprise-wide, but also system-wide, available to any restaurant. In this case, they choose the systems they want. So if, if a reservation system comes with a POS and they don't want it, they can plug another reservation system in or plug another online ordering solution, plug and play. As their business grows and changes, they can remain nimble. And this is kind of a theme that the pandemic created. Yep. Is now I, I'm a grocerant today or I'm on online ordering only, I'm not open for business, I need to remain nimble and flexible. This construct, this architecture is necessary for restaurants to remain nimble and competitive. And I, 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 I'm confident that within a very short period of time, within, within three to four years, this will not only be available as an option for enterprise, but also independent operators. All right. So out of all of these uh, technologies that we sort of discussed on the show, what out of these, it, you know, which one is are you most excited about? Or, or is there something that, that, that may be coming down the pike that that is going to be exciting? And then uh, give me an example of something that is just that you look at and you just kind of go, OK, this is dumb or this is not going to work. 
I, I'll give you mine if you don't want to. Yeah. If you don't want to, you know, alienate okay. anybody in your in your industry. <laughs> so um, I, I'm I'm very hopeful about voice technology, okay. particularly now because GPT is just, you know generative is just kind of it's going to make it easier and seamless and more more user friendly. Anything with voice, voice, it, it, voice is the new UI. Period. It's it's the new it's the new HTML. Yeah. So voice is so natural. Once voice gets a little bit better, and operators embrace the horror of voice, um, <laughs> voice will be ubiquitous, right? Um, so and, and data management is is kind of like my new pet. I mean, data is everything. Yeah. Data yeah. data can deliver prescriptive insights and make a restaurant that does a million dollars operate functionally like a restaurant that does ten million dollars. That's huge for the industry. Some things that I think are stupid. <laughs> I, I, a, I listen. Lot. I didn't say stupid. You could say goofy if you want. I don't. You know, I'll I'll say stupid on my bar, on my behalf. All right, which one? What, what's what's now, the what's the idea? I, I, I'm a big well, I'm a big fan of of technology and and the and the innovators that are out there. They're slugging it uh, out, trying to invent something new. But there's there some of the things are just old. I'm not a fan of point of sale systems. I never have been. Okay. I'm really not a fan of legacy systems that. That do not open easily their architecture to innovative third parties. Like, so for example, you know, there's a one of the companies out there is called VoiceStar.ai, and it's an inventory management system using voice. It makes it very difficult, makes it very easy for a restaurant operator to do inventory in, in minutes instead of hours. It's really pretty amazing. It's voice plus AI. Yeah. Um, but it's difficult to get integrated to back off the systems because they they have they have a gate. They don't want anybody pushing data towards them. So right. it just it slows down innovation and adoption because the legacy systems are gates. And so I'm not a fan of legacy systems. And I can name a few. I mean, it's you know NCR. Anything NCR does or Oracle does with Micros. Those are two systems right now that have been around for a long time. Functionally, they're great. Yeah, they they they're workhorses. But their 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 philosophy of putting gates between new technology and innovation and their own need to control the tech stack are things that that uh, people like me have have a problem with. See, I thought you're so. This is the one that I was going to jump in with, which I thought you were going to say would be robot waiters, like those those mobile robots. Oh that God! Serve well, I, that's so that's so bad. <laughs> that's so bad. I've I've taken it out of my memory. I mean, like, there's a place for robots. The, oh the bar is so low um, there that you forgot about it, right? I, I forgot about it. Yeah. No, it's it's that's. I mean, you know, God bless them for trying, but um, as soon as I saw that, it was like there's no way that's going to be adopted. And frankly, I'm shocked that Chili's even gave it a gave it a, you know a, a trial. But there are there are places for for robots back of the house, you know, cobots. Um, yeah. But some of the stuff they're doing in the back of the house doesn't make sense. I have a good friend who's a mechanical engineer and he's brilliant. Is building a an automated French fry maker, and it's it's not you don't see the robotic hands. It's really next generation thinking. So, like anything else, I mean, we started with horse and buggies, right? We had cars, and yep. then we had more than one one color of a car. So, robots. This is just early uh, early stage, but I think robots are going to have a big place in back of the house yeah. or in certain station, station robots, but never never in front of the house. I right. think that's 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 just that's bad. <laughs> 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 all right uh, michael thank you very much for being on the show today you bet it's been fun thanks, all right Keith. thanks uh that's all the time we have for today's episode don't forget to like the video subscribe to the channel and add any comments that you have uh, below join us every week for new episodes of today in tech i'm keith shaw thanks for watching